welcome to Staffing Stories, hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Welcome back to Staffing Stories. I'm your host, Andy Moss, and I'm thoroughly enjoying this podcast, and I, I love diving into certain topics. And today, I really wanted to talk about marketing, and that's big for me. It's big for all of us that are in this industry. So I'm inviting my, my good friend, uh, Jay Webb, on from Jay Davis Group. Welcome. Andy, what's up, man? Thanks for uh, for having me. Well, I, I, I love... Um, diving into a topic in drilling. And I, I want us to talk about marketing because you're really good at it. I love following you on LinkedIn and getting what you have to say. But first, to all those listeners, introduce yourself, kind of, you know, what you um, do and kind of a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. So again, Jay Webb, I run the Jay David Group, which is a search firm focusing on go-to market positions for uh, tech companies. Specifically, those tech companies are between 50 and 200 people, oftentimes say seed stage to series C, and they're looking to, like I said, scale their, their go-to-market teams, and that can be anywhere from individual contributors to, uh, you know, VPs and, and CROs. Okay. And you also host a podcast. Yeah, that's right. I host a pod, yep, podcast called The Goats of Growth. Uh, that The backstory there is the podcast used to be called over quota and it was called over quota for the first couple years i started in february of 2020 and i had this idea for a book over this past summer called the goats of growth and the goats of growth with the subject or the sub headline of the greatest revenue untold stories of the greatest revenue leaders of all time and so i started putting that book together through a series of interviews and then i said you know what I'm like let's better name than over a quota because it's more aspirational and inspirational. So I was like, you know what? Let me rename and rebrand my podcast from over quota to the goats of growth. So that's what I, uh, so that's, that's what I did. Well, I think all of us in this industry of recruiting and stuff, we want to grow. And I think the way we do that is we sell, um, sell our company, sell our, 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 our vision of what we're trying to do. And that's why I brought you on because you bring an aspect of this um, self-marketing, you know, that I, I love. And I really just want you to kind of educate us on things that you've learned over the years of how do you market your brand in this, mm. in this industry? Yeah. So it's, you know, one of the toughest parts about selling a service is that you can't differentiate yourself unless they've actually experienced your service, right? I've run the J. David Group for 12 years. I've been in this industry for 16 years. And, you know, the preponderance of the, all of that, those years and all of the business that I've gotten has been through referrals. And so that is great. But when you want to expand outside of the referrals, how do you do it? Yeah. And so for me, it's really about getting people to know, like, and trust you, right? Because that's really why people are giving, offering referrals anyhow, right? Because they know yeah. you because you've done a great job. They like you, hopefully, because you've worked really well with them. And they trust you because you delivered upon the promises that you that you made, which is we're going to find you fantastic people, 
Yeah. Short of that, when they don't know, like, and trust you, you have to build your brand. You have to be able to connect with people in a way before they ever even meet you. But you also don't want to do it in a transactional way. And transactional way might be, I'm going to send somebody a cold email and I'm going to say, hey, do you need any help recruiting? You know, this is what I do. This is yeah. why I'm so fantastic. And these are the clients that I work with and, you know, that type of thing, right? Problem with that is, is that that person, let's say it's you, Andy, you're getting, your inbox is full of those kinds of folks. I know, I don't know about you, but I, I get, I, I get them anyways, right? And I'm yeah. working from and I get them, right? <laughs> you know, from, from RPO companies and, and what have you. And, and nobody's really sticking out in the inbox and, and differentiating. So what I do, and really this is just new over the last year or so, uh, because I, you know, I grew a team and it was, it just went beyond me and I needed um, to make sure that everybody ate. I started posting on LinkedIn about, you know, various topics. It doesn't always have to be about specifically the business. Oftentimes it's not, it's about certain things that are happening in my life or that have happened in my life. And then I tie it back in some way um, to the business or maybe even just an experience that somebody else might be might be feeling. And so that's kind of like compound interest in a way when you're when you're developing a brand online where you have to show up every day to get those impressions, to get people in your target audience that want to engage with you in some way, whether it's like whether it's um, comment, whether it's just sending you a DM to say something about what you just put on LinkedIn, right? And so what happens is, is that once you've done that for a while, and by the way, you don't have to wait, you can do it immediately, but you can start incorporating that into your direct message as well, right? So you can, then you can say to Andy Moss, who you know, maybe liked or commented or is following you or looked at your profile in some way. And I just picked up, a, I picked up a search that way where yeah. I posted something, a founder and a CEO looked at my profile. I think he had liked something that I wrote. And then I just DM'd him. I'm like, hey, I saw that you liked my thing. Can we talk? He's like, yeah. And he was looking for enterprise account executives, right? And so any way that you can warm up your target audience, because that's what a referral is. Yeah, anyway. warm. Figure out a way to make it warm. It's always, it's always warm, right? And so that's what I'm doing is constantly warming up. And then the flip side is this, you know, when you start to follow people that you are targeting and you start to like their content or you comment on theirs or you're sharing and you do it in a genuine way because you're really interested in what they're saying, right? But you want them to be seen. You want them to be heard. And, you know, listen, everybody has egos, sales leaders and CEOs that I'm, you know, that I'm want to engage on a regular basis do as well. And so when they post something on LinkedIn, they're looking to see who's how many comments they're getting, you know, notification, you know, looking at their notification, notification junkies, and they want to see. And if they keep seeing the J Web name come up, like, okay, and then all of a sudden they'll look at my profile. And then all of a sudden, what happens if I send them an email or something yeah. or slide in their DMs? They're gonna be more apt. First of all, they know me, right? It's a whole know, like, and trust, right? So they're gonna be like, okay, I know this guy. Oh, I like him because you like me, right? You can't be that bad, right? And so he's sharing my content as well. So I'm he, you know, he must. He shares my opinion, so I have to trust him. So, you know, there's gonna, it's a higher probability that they're going to respond. And then the last thing I'll say, too, as well, is my podcast, right? In other words, my podcast is a way for me to reach out to these same folks and say, hey, um, you know, I look at your LinkedIn profile. I'd love to have you on the goats of growth, right? And that alone is like, okay, he's talking about I'm goat, greatest of all time, growth. Yeah, okay, maybe I want to do this, right? And so all those things, I think, are really ways to to get people to engage in a way that I think is different than just, you know, what we typically do. Well, you have to be intentional. You have to have a plan. You know, it's, uh, you know, LinkedIn is a, a, an unbelievable tool in our industry, but it's not there just to search who your, 
you're talking with, like you said, you want to engage with them some way, somehow before you, you make a cold. I mean, how many times have I accepted someone's, um, you know, well, I want to connect. And then within minutes, I get an email of a pitch. That is, that is the worst way to come at anybody. Um, and, and if you're doing that, I would highly suggest stopping because it's just everybody knows. But I, I would, you know, definitely like a couple of things and try to drive some conversation before you go straight slide into DMs. And, and uh, but I, but you have to have a plan of attack, and it's work. It is work to do this podcast. It is work to do um, your research on LinkedIn. Um, and if you can't get away from that, you got to be able to put in the hours. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then you, you just hit a, upon something that it irks me. It's not only so people will, you know, you, you send a message or like a, you add a note to a connection, right? And immediately, as soon as that, because you added the note to that connection, it yeah. immediately, for me, you know what it does for me? It's, 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 it, the pitch is one thing, but it's also, it adds another item to my to-do list, right? You know what I mean? Like it adds a little item that it's an inbox thing that needs to be cleared somehow. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, it's just not now. Like I don't, I don't want that, you know, like just, I think you have to be able to uh, be a little bit more tactical and, and pragmatic in the way that you do those things, you know, cause it's a turn off otherwise. You know, having access a free reign like that on LinkedIn is great. You know, you want to have access, but you got to be smart about how you use it. And like you said, the time and energy, um, and I, again, don't abuse a tool, but know how to use the tool yep. <laughs> and, um, and, and not just cause you're one of 20 or 30 LinkedIn messages I get a day mm -hmm. and maybe you get too, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, marketing is always top of mind. And when you are engaging with a customer, let's say you're already talking about it, um, selling yourself and your past history and, and placements and stuff, what kind of conversation are you having with um, leaders of organizations like that? Yeah. So if I'm engaged in a conversation with someone new, a new, a new prospect, let's just say or somebody that even was referred to me, you know, what's interesting about those conversations, Andy, is I actually don't use those conversations to necessarily pitch, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but just to learn, as much as I can about them and their business, because that is the pitch. Yeah. Right. In other words, if you think about it, a good talent manager, a good recruiter will understand your business inside and out, right? They understand the history. They understand the value proposition. They understand the culture. They understand the challenges that you're, that exist now. They, they want to know even they want to know why, like, why now? Why are we even have? Why are we even having this conversation to yeah. begin with? What's happening in your, what just happened in your business? What's happening in your business? Is there a threat that's forthcoming? Is there an opportunity that you see that you're missing out on? Like what, what's, what's going on? And the reason why I think that ultimately is the conversation and is the pitch is because when you're working with a, a recruiter to help them, to help you find people, as long when they have all of those answers to the questions that that you should be asking about their business, it's going to make it. You're going to be much more. They're going to be much more valuable to your business when they're going out and sourcing and having conversations with candidates 
A, the toughest candidates are going to know the story and they're going to be able to, you, as a good recruiter, you're going to be able to pitch that opportunity and differentiate that other opportunity, frankly, evangelize that opportunity over some of the other opportunities that those top candidates might be having, right? The top candidates don't have a challenge looking for finding a job. They have time, hard time sifting to get to the right jobs, right? And so we, we're, we're, we're sifters in that way, right? And so when I'm having conversations with a new prospect, uh, it's more so all about them. And as a result of having that conversation, what I'm trying to get across in that is to show them just how thorough I am, to show them um, that it is all about them and that I care about their business. And then yeah. on the flip side, when I'm when I'm talking to a candidate and vetting, uh, you know, candidates for the role, that I'm doing the same thing, right? We're having a very deep dive conversation, and we're getting so far beneath just the surface mm-hmm. of what it actually is um, to understand the whole, the whole thing holistically. And then if they want to know about me and my history and some of the stuff that I've, you know, the, the companies that I've worked on and how long I've been doing this and, and all that, that's perfectly, that, that's great. Like we can talk about that, but that is like 5% of the conversation. Yeah. Um, that I want to have, you know what I mean? Yeah. One of the best questions that I always love asking right out of the gate is, you know, are you using other resources? You know, why, um, uh, are they successful or are they not? You know, why are we talking like, you know, kind of what you're saying, but it's going to say two things. It's either I've never used a recruiter or I'm using and I'm not getting what I want. And then I'm taking notes of what do they not like? So when I'm talking about my business, I'm like, you know, trying to, you know, find the pain they have, but I also don't want to say something that triggers a bad experience because you know as well as I do some agencies won't give the 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 white glove treatment and so and they kind of give our industry a bad name but we want to come in and do the right thing but we almost have to kind of fix their thought about us before we could even get to um solving the problem that's exactly it which is why another reason why I don't pitch right because I feel like I feel like um I feel like that's that's would be more typical of a way Right to to come in there and and pitch and talk about how I can help them and how fantastic our services are without really understanding understanding them yeah, uh, exactly. to begin with. Right? It's like showing up for a date and all you're doing is just talking about yourself to begin with, and you know you have no idea what the other person is all about. Yeah. You know? I agree totally. So that that's just great information about marketing. I knew you'd be a home run there, and like always, you are. Let. For those that don't know you, and how did you get into this business? <laughs> yeah. It's a long winding road. Yeah. <laughs> With everybody, it is. <laughs> I know, it always is. Never no one goes to college to do what we do. So someone <laughs> yeah. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a recruiter. Yeah, I'll be a recruiter. <laughs> so the reality is, is that I, a couple things. Number one, when I was like real young, like as early as five years old, I wanted to be a professional athlete. Why? Because I frankly didn't want to go to work every day. Let's just yeah. face it, right? And then when I got into college and realized that there's no way, or high school, obviously, but certainly when I got into college, there was no way I was going to be a professional athlete. So I wanted to start my own business. And I didn't know what it was going to be, but somehow I wanted to start my own business. Uh, at the time, actually, it was marketing. Speaking of marketing, right? Like yeah. I, I, I loved marketing. I loved everything about it. Right? I was a, just you name it. I would I would absorb it. I majored in communication. I, mar- I, I minored in marketing because I don't think they had a marketing major or something like that. And um, uh, no, they must have. I just for some reason just had a communication major. Anyways, my point being is is that I saw myself maybe one day opening up a marketing agency. Um, interned at a marketing agency, started working at a marketing agency, and then I had to get like, I got let go very shortly after I started there, um, simply because they lost an account that they thought 
that they were going to um, win, uh, but they didn't, and they just didn't have uh, the money to support my position. So anyways, um, long story short, when I, after about seven years of working at a rental car place, um, I had left and somebody who, who I had managed while I was at that market, at that rental car place asked me what I thought she should do because she had been working with a recruiter. She said, what do you think I should be doing? Like, he's presenting me with these opportunities, but I'm not sure which one is best for me. I remember having this, I was actually in Las Vegas at the time with one of my friends and I wasn't working by the way. I was, I had been flipping houses. Um, thought I was going to be a, that's the other thing too. I thought I was going to be flipping houses the rest of my life after I started renting cars. And so I'm like, well, her name was Melissa. I'm like, well, Melissa, I'm like, well, if he was any good, by the way, I had never worked with a recruiter in my life. Yeah. Didn't know, I never engaged with them at all, right? I didn't know what the heck it was. I just was listening to her talk about like what this person does. I said, well, if he's any good, Melissa, he'd tell you to do what he's doing. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, everything that you're describing about like what this kind of position, this person does, I'm like, you would be really good at it, I think. She became a recruiter and she ended up crushing it at this agency, right? Million dollar club, whatever, the whole nine yards, right? And so 10 months later, after I realized that I needed to go back and get a job and the real estate you know, the market was just too slow and it was heading in the wrong direction. It was like 2005, 2006. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should do this as well. So I got into recruiting and just, I, like I said, I always I either wanted to be an athlete or an entrepreneur. So about two years into be, to, uh, working at an agency, I was like, okay, I've got my laptop. I got a phone and I'm walking into this building every day with a shirt and tie on. Like that's pretty much where it stops, right? Otherwise I'm going to go make my own business. I'm going out and getting my own candidates and I'm just sort of making it all happen and bringing a whole bunch of money into the company. <clears throat> but I want to be, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I got to figure it out. I got the book. Um, what was it? Uh, was it? I'm not sure if it was outliers, but they talk about um, 40,000 hours, right? 40,000 hours to become an expert. I forget which Malcolm Gladwell book that was, but, and um, so I hadn't quite got the 40,000 hours. So I was like, okay, Jay, just grind. I'm like literally counting. And I was working a lot of hours too, like 12, 15 hour days. And so finally I'm like, you know what? It's time, four years in. So I was at that agency for four years and I'm like, all right, you know what? It's time for me to to do this. And that's what I did. Oh, you know what? There's a part in the story that I always forget, which is important, all right? I don't, and I, sound like, I feel like a fraud every time I leave it out. So now I'm gonna put it back in. So I actually left that agency to go to a uh, retained search firm. Uh, somebody had introduced me to this person who was running a retained search firm. I was only there for three months because we were like fire nice. It was just an absolute, I didn't have any respect for him, frankly. I didn't have any respect for his work ethic. I didn't have any respect for his talent. I didn't have a lot of respect for the way he communicated. Most importantly, by the way, the way he communicated. Yeah. Um, and and the, just the way he approached the whole, his whole view on the world, basically. Um, and so I grounded out for uh, for 90 days. Um, actually, cl close cl coming up on 90 days, I told him, I said, listen, I won't say his name, but I was just like, we're like fire and ice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wind down the search and then I'm bouncing. So I did, you know, I, I, I completed, it was like a VP of product search or whatever, did it within the 90 days. And I was like, I'm done. And so on March, this was March 11th of 2011 was when I was, was my last day on March 14th. I had already set up the infrastructure for the day, the J David group, like over that weekend. And before that week, I had the logo, I had everything launched March 14th, 2011. <clears throat> And the rest is history. And then, but the core to your question, Andy, is that, you know, I needed to be able to run my own business and yeah. start my own business because it's just in me, right? I feel like I'm more of an entrepreneur with a, you know, disguised as a recruiter, you know, in a way, like there's so many different businesses that I have interested in. And I feel like that I could, um, that I could do, and this just happens to be one of those vehicles um, to, to, to do that. Right. And so that was really the, the motivator and, and how I got into 
started the Jay David group? <clears throat> well, it's, you know, everybody's Genesis story is obviously different, but it all comes back to having a leap of faith and believing in yourself. And I think that's where I see some of these younger kids coming out of college that that confidence in themselves is not there. I don't, I don't know where, what, what the youth is missing these days, um, but man i mean the best bet you can make is on yourself yes and I, and so that was what i did is like I, if i'm gonna put money on something i'll put money on me because I, I know what i can do mm -hmm. and if you're young out there and you're listening to this or you have kids in that college pour into them on the confidence side that's that is the 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 biggest um you know thing and especially the young women and um and that that's that's sad and that's because i mean they're they're unbelievably talented in our in our line of work and supporting that but um man some of the ones i talked to in an interview as you know the confidence isn't there and that's what you have to have for sure for sure i mean you see these pictures behind me here and that's part of it as well actually that lion that my daughter speaking of women just just drew it's yeah. on the on the the reason why she drew that that's a line with a actually a champion thing that says number one on it and the reason she said she wrote she drew that is because there's a you can't see it but it says lead like a lion play like a champion and that's the thing, something i say to them every day before they leave the house in the morning um, because i want them to be leaders <clears throat> and i say lead like a lion and play like a champion in other words have fun and just and, and, and go hard at it and one of the things that i always try to instill in, in both of them uh is confidence and why i have this you know, a mural, so to speak, of of, uh, of all their artwork around me is because I always try to inspire uh, creativity. Um, I always, but also confidence in knowing that you know whatever you put out there, put it out there. You know, you yeah. want you, you're drawing this. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna show it. Like I'm, we're, we're putting it out there, right? And so that, I think that's really important. I think confidence is is huge, um, huge, huge factor. Well, I I really appreciate you coming on and giving some input to this marketing thing, and just your story is great and. Um, as I end, I always kind of ask people, okay, if you're watching Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Paramount, what do you, what are you streaming and what's your what's your show of choice? <laughs> so let's see, that's a good question. Uh, my show of choice, which hasn't been on in a while, um, is Fargo. Uh, it hasn't, <laughs> hasn't been yeah. on. There's a lot though. Actually, you know what? Now that I say it, it's like Fargo, Succession, and I'll say Tulsa King are the, the first things that come to mind. As far as the, the the shows that either I want back now, Succession, yeah. I think is coming back soon, or just things that I that I stream that I really like. I love Tulsa. That <sighs> that 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 was a top notch, and that in you know if season two could come out right now, I, I would force it out. Yeah, I'm a big Sylvester Stallone. Fan. Yeah, he he did great. Well, again, thank you for coming on and sitting on the not so hot seat and going through this. But I appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely, for sure. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. The Staffing Stories podcast is brought to you by 3DIQ, founded by recruiters for recruiters. 3DIQ's industry-leading product suite complements your submission process in Bullhorn from start to finish and helps you deliver a cutting-edge customer experience. Triple your placements with our powerful resume submission platform, candidate marketing, and client portal. Visit 3DIQ.com stories to learn more.